Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about the inflation deflator. This is a big topic, and we're going to have a hard time fitting it in just five minutes. I'm guessing we're going to go a minute or two longer today. The rate of inflation in the US, Canada, Europe, and much of the industrialized world is reported by each respective central government. These statistics follow a methodology that's well publicized, but it's pretty complex and kind of difficult to understand. The measure of price inflation is the consumer price index. In the good old days, the statisticians followed a simple process of comparing the price of a basket of goods over time. Over years, governments have made small tweaks to this inflation measurement. We're being told today that inflation is very low, in fact, too low. Governments in Europe, the US, and Canada have set a 2% target for inflation. But I'm not sure that governments are being fully truthful with the numbers they're reporting. I'll give you an example. Most educated people would agree there's a link between the price of energy and the cost of goods. From December 1st until today, the price of oil has gone up 39% in the last five months. Shockingly, the U.S. Bureau of Labor and Statistics reported that the inflation rate in Q1 was a measly 0.9%. And frankly, that just does not ring true. This past week, I paid $6 for a bunch of celery. Yet, we're at the tail end of winter and in the middle of spring. This is not the time to be harvesting celery. So it's being shipped from a long way away. Much of our produce during these months comes from Mexico and South America. So the price of energy is a significant component for much of what we consume. So how is it that items like celery can cost $6 and yet the inflation index is a stunning 0.9%? Turns out there are numerous adjustments that the government applies. The first is the so-called seasonal adjustment. If prices are expected to fluctuate with the seasons, then those seasonal fluctuations are removed from the inflation number. Then again, the Bureau of Labor and Statistics decided that since the price of food and the price of energy fluctuated too much, they de-emphasized a lot of those in their measures in the consumer price index. There are several reasons why there's significant incentive for government to report a lower than actual inflation number. Number one, since many services paid for by government, like Social Security and hourly wages of government workers, are indexed to the rate of inflation, a lower reported rate of inflation means the government saves a ton of money. And number two, the measurement of gross domestic product is based on adding up all the economic activity in the economy and comparing it to the previous period. If the number is higher, then the economy is said to have grown. But in the presence of inflation, we would need to subtract the rate of inflation from the measurement of GDP. Otherwise, we would have a false GDP measurement. We'd really be just measuring inflation. So we take the nominal GDP, which includes inflation, we subtract inflation, and from that we get the real GDP measurement. But if the inflation number is understated, it has the effect of making the real GDP growth overstated. It makes it look like the economy's grown more than it really has. Governments like to report robust economic growth. It's one of the measures that they use to show the voting population how great a job they're doing. There are several more adjustments applied by the statisticians in addition to the seasonal effects. The second is something called substitution. This is based on the concept that if the price of a Lexus goes up, consumers will switch to a cheaper Toyota. The third is the concept of imputation. This is where there's no actual economic activity, so the Bureau of Labor and Statistics assigns a value to the contribution to the economy, even though no money changed hands. The largest and most questionable of these measures is the concept of imputed rent. If you own your own home and you do not rent, the government adds in the value of the rent that you should have paid if you had been renting. And they also include that in the index of inflation. 
Since home ownership in the U.S. runs about 61% and Canada about 67%, the impact of this is significant. All those folks that are not paying rent are actually deemed to have paid rent, and who knows what the government made up in terms of that rental number. Housing makes up 42% of the overall weighting of the inflation index, and fully 25% of the consumer price index is made up of the rent that you should have paid yourself if you own your own home. But that's money that never changed hands. The government imputed a number. They just made it up. The fourth sleight of hand is something called weighting. This is where they determine how much of the consumer price index to attribute to each part of the household expenditures. Today, for example, healthcare makes up about 8% of the consumer price index. But healthcare actually makes up closer to 18% of the total economy. Since healthcare costs are rising pretty quickly, the effect is to make the increase in healthcare costs appear smaller than they really are. It makes for a smaller inflation number than exists in reality. The truth is, if you need a surgery, you're not going to buy a fraction of a surgery. You're going to experience the full cost. If you take the time and research the numbers from the government's own published data, it's easy to draw the same conclusions that I'm reporting in this podcast. The final and the most outrageous adjustment is something called hedonics. Hedonics sounds like the word hedonism, and it has the same root of the same ancient Greek word, which at the root means for the pleasure of. These arbitrary adjustments attempt to measure the value of new features. For example, the iPhone, when it was introduced in 2007, cost about 500 bucks. Today, the iPhone's much more expensive, ranging anywhere from 800 to 1,000 dollars. Even though Apple sales have been flat in terms of volume, their revenue is up 29%, and that can only mean one thing, prices have gone up. But the iPhone is deemed to have gone down in price in the eyes of the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. The government determines that the new phone has a lot more features and capability. Therefore, it's as if it had gone down in price, so they arbitrarily adjust the price downward. All of these small lies add up to a big reduction in the reported rate of inflation, compared with what I believe is the real rate of inflation. The result of that is the reported growth in the economy is actually overstated. If inflation is truly higher than we think it is, how would that affect your investment strategy? How would it affect your real estate investment strategy? We're going to talk about this some more in the coming episodes. As you're thinking about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.